This is Forum. I'm John Michaels, Public Affairs Radio Director since 1977, as uh, we're talking with Chad Holweiler with the uh, iBank and Tissue Bank, uh, best known as Chad McKenzie in the Kelo AM radio days back. What? A lot of years ago, my friend. I started in 1985 and uh, was here until 2005. The good old days. The good old days. We had a lot of great memories. Harley Worsett, who was known as Lord Douglas back in the earlier days, even, yeah. but quite a lot of the radio history. I refer to people every once in a while, and they, they don't believe me, but you were actually hoisted in a van, what, 100 feet from the ground? 150 feet off the ground, and for a short time, it was a world record. Living in a van, 150 feet off the ground, I was in it for one week. Wasn't it kind of windy sometimes? It was. The first night, the wind picked up. We had a we had an intercom system with the crane operator because insurance company said we had a crane operator on site 24-7. And I got onto the radio and I said, it's kind of swinging up here. Do you mind tightening up the ropes a little bit? And he did. But that was the only time I had any problems. See, in the old days, radio promotion was a big thing. And yeah, it was. Well, let's talk about the uh, iBank because that's what you've been doing now for quite a few years. Too. Yes, um, I'm community outreach coordinator and hospital liaison for Dakota Lions Site and Health. Sounds like a pretty good job. I love it. I love it. I get to go out and talk to people about the importance of being a designated donor. I do a lot of traveling. Um, my main job is basically travel around and give PowerPoint presentations. We work with 114 different hospitals, so I go out and I train nurses on what they need to do when someone passes away until our technicians can arrive on scene. And I go into colleges and work with nursing students in high schools. I work with anatomy classes and biology classes, and I do driver's ed classes. You could almost do the surgery yourself, I suppose, by now. <laughs> How many hospitals did you say? 114 hospitals. We cover all of South Dakota, all of North Dakota, the western half of Minnesota, the northern half of Nebraska, and we have offices in Sioux Falls, Rapid City, Bismarck, and Fargo. So you're not looking forward to the icy roads then? No, I'm not a big fan of traveling in the middle of winter, mm -hmm. but I do it. Well, Chad, the history of the A-Bank is very interesting, and I, I, I was going to say if you want to go back to the early days... The first cornea transplant was in 1905 in Czechoslovakia. Okay. There was a young man, Mr. Golgar, and he was cleaning out a chicken coop. And back then they used lye for cleaning purposes. Well, he splashed some of it up into his right eye and he scarred his cornea. He went into the doctor. The doctor said, I'm sorry, but I really don't think there's anything we can do for you. So they sent him home. He's only able to see out of one eye. It wasn't long after that, a young Dr. Zerm came on board, and he was one day working to save the life of a nine-year-old child. The good news is he saved the boy's life. The bad news is the boy lost an eye. Well, he got remembering back to Mr. Golgard, heard stories about him, and thought, I wonder if I could somehow take the cornea from the eye that this young boy lost and transplant it into Mr. Golgard's eye. So he approached him said, would you be willing to take a chance? He said, yes, it was a success. And now we're to the point where there are almost 90,000 cornea transplants done every day in this country. 90,000 every day? No, every year, I'm sorry. Every, every year, year, okay. Every year. Well, that's still a lot. Uh, the uh, uh, the whole concept of it, you know, I, I can't stand anything pointing in my eye, you know. But uh, uh, what was it? I had a uh, uh, operation on my eye for... Uh, 
where they, they put a different lens in, I guess, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, for cataracts? Cataracts. Okay, it. I have that's very common. Yeah. 50% of the population will have cataract surgery. I, I, I kind of leaned back and expected them to put me out, and I, I said, when is this going to you know happen? They said, it, it, it's done. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It takes about seven minutes on average to do yeah. to do a cataract surgery. Well, the bee has been very good to me. I've got one eye done. i got another one to do here pretty Great. soon, but uh, that's common with older people. But there's a difference between cataracts and, and you know, changing your eye. Yeah, cornea. the cornea. What's yeah. what's unique about the cornea is, for those who aren't familiar with the cornea or remember back to their um, anatomy days in school, the cornea is basically the window to your eye. It's the clear part in the front of your eye. And what's unique about it is there there is no blood that goes through the cornea. So I could take a cornea from anyone who's listening to this and run it through the, the process of making sure it's okay and meets the requirements and standards. And if it does, I could transplant it into anyone else's eye who is listening. That's what's unique about the cornea. And, you know, like I say, being a donor on your license, yes, all it takes is a check a box and sign it. That's all. In fact, it's so easy today for anyone who has an iPhone you can actually register on your iPhone. It's part of the health app. It's that simple. Well, people can take it, look at their phone and, and uh, Google it, I guess. Exactly. Know, you know. And there are so many different websites. You can go to our website, dakotasite.org. There's registerme.org, donatelife.org, so many. Well, I, I can imagine that operation back in 1905. Um, you know, as far as they haven't made a movie about uh, the history of this, but... Uh, there's a, a famous person that uh, got involved with the uh, iBank. Yes, Helen Keller in 1925 was the keynote speaker at the International Lions Convention. And when she got up on stage, she challenged all of the Lions to take on this cause, and she challenged them to become Knights of the Blind. And Lions clubs literally all over the world took that ball and ran with it, and it's because of that that eye banks are where we are today. I, I remember back when I could afford to go to the Lions that uh, river blindness was another thing that they basically eliminated around the world. Uh, all it took was a pill, but they were able to go into the uh, uh, third world countries and that and, and completely eliminate what would have been uh, it was so easy. All they had to do was take this pill and, and they didn't get river blindness. Exactly. Yeah. It's, there's so much happening in research right now. It's just mind-blowing. Well, when you get your pancakes at the Lions Club, you know it's going to a good cause. It is. But uh, now, there's tissue that we're talking about besides eyes and, and birth tissue. We, our primary focus, no pun intended, is mm -hmm. the cornea. We keep those and we process those, process those in-house and literally send them all over the world out of our office in Sioux Falls. But we also will recover tissue such as bone and skin, nerves, veins, tendons, ligaments, those sort of things. Those we send off to other processors. They then process them into grafts. You had mentioned birth tissue. We actually kicked this off just prior to COVID, and then COVID hit and brought everything to a screeching halt. But we're back at it now, and we can actually go out and recover birth tissue. Now, up till a few years ago, the placenta, the umbilical cord, and the amniotic fluid was nothing more than medical waste. It was just discarded after the baby was born. Well, now because of research, we have technicians that go in, recover 
the placenta, the umbilical cord, and the amniotic fluid. We send it off to a processor. It's processed into patches, and those patches are used to speed up the healing process for anyone who is suffering from severe burns or perhaps skin cancer. It's used for certain eye surgeries. To think that just a few years ago, it was just discarded as trash. So if you have skin cancer, they can replace it, basically. They'll take a, they'll take a patch, is mm-hmm. what it's called, and uh, the amniotic fluid is used, and they'll put it on that, and it will heal on its own. It's, it's again, amazing what's happening. I haven't heard about that. But, yeah. uh, again, that's, that's coming through the Sioux Falls. Coming through to Sioux Falls. We send them off. Most of our corneas and birth tissue stay here in the upper Midwest, but we do. We send them all over the world. How do you store that? We have the facilities in our Sioux Falls office, once again. Uh, the tissue, once it's processed, the bone, skin, that sort of thing, that can last for up to five years once it's processed. But the corneas, that can only last for 14 days. And I'm here to tell you right now, there's not an eye doctor in the country who will accept a cornea that's 13 days old. Uh, nowadays, it's usually three to five days, so that's how fast things happen. Once somebody passes away, cornea is processed, sent to the eye surgeon, it's implanted. So it, it, I, I suppose they go by transportation as fast as they can. You know, it's... I'll let you in on a secret, and this happens every single day. Okay, you only heard it here. You only on heard it program. here. You heard exactly. it first here on this radio. And I do share it with driver's ed students, okay. so... Uh, this happens every single day. On average, there are 95 organ transplants done every day in this country. And we have done this with tissue before. If an organ or tissue has to get somewhere as quickly as possible, of course, you fly it. It doesn't matter if it's a private flight or a commercial flight. Once the pilot takes possession of that organ or tissue, he or she becomes captain of what's called a lifeguard flight. That flight has top priority in every single airport they're in. They will take off first, they will land first, and they will fly the shortest possible distance between point A and point B. Now, through my years of this job, I've only ever met two people who ever knew they were on a lifeguard flight. That's because the pilot got on the intercom system and said to the passengers, so you're all probably wondering how in the world did we reach our destination so soon? And he explained to them that there was an organ up in the cockpit and it was going to be transplanted within a matter of hours so we asked for a moment of silence for not only the donor but also the recipient now usually it's only the pilots and the control tower who know about it so if anybody ever flies anywhere and if you get your get to your destination really early not like five or ten minutes or early but like 40 or 50 minutes early uh, i'll bet you anything you're on a lifeguard flight you just didn't know it well I never knew that before. Yeah, happens every day. Talking to Chad Howiler or Chad McKenzie, as we knew him on uh, the morning show at Kello AM back in the eighties and nineties. Yeah. Um, the uh, uh, the more things change, the more they don't change. But really, the Lions Club really initiated uh, and started. I, I go back to the days of Al Shock, exactly, and oh, Al. The, the other people in Sioux Falls that said, "Let's raise the money to build this building." And the vision that they had back, you know, in the 70s. It started off in a little office on the campus of, at that time, was Sioux Valley, now at Sanford. And uh, then we just recently, 
move to the new facility up in the northwest part of Sioux Falls. Uh, people drive by all the time. It's directly across the street from what's now known as University of South Dakota Sioux Falls. And when you drive by, it's supposed to look like an eye. It kind of does if you use your imagination. But thousands of people drive by every day and they have no idea what happens behind those walls. Are they getting to where they might be able to transplant a whole eye? I mean, the, the tissue is so thin. Uh, as of right now, no. They cannot transplant the entire eye. The only part of the eye that can be transplanted is the cornea and then also the sclera. That's the white part of the eye. So when our technicians go out, they don't just cut around the cornea, but they take part of the white of your eye as well because that sclera can be used to repair punctured eardrums. Oh, really? Yeah, it's it's amazing, John, what's happening. Um, give you an example. We had a face transplant in our area a few years ago. Again, you heard it first right here in this program. Exactly. Uh, many people don't know about it, but there was a young man in eastern Wyoming, sadly, tried to commit suicide. They got him to Rapid City in time to save him, but he lost a good portion of his face. And so for the next several months, he traveled to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, where they tried to repair his face and rebuild it with his own bone and cartilage from his legs, but it didn't work. Well, they approached him then one day and said, there's this new type of surgery, transplant surgery. It's a face transplant. Would you ever consider that? And he said, yes. Well, it wasn't long after that, a young man in southwest Minnesota sadly took his life. They got him to Sioux Falls in time to hook him up to life support, but his injuries were significant enough to where he was never, ever going to be able to survive. Well, they were talking to his wife about him donating his organs, and they took some measurements, and guess what? He was a perfect match for the young man in Wyoming who needed a face transplant. So they transported him to the Mayo Clinic. The young man from Wyoming traveled back to the Mayo. Surgery took 56 hours. There were 100 doctors and nurses involved, and it was a huge success. And my favorite part to this story is I was at a meeting about a year ago up in Fargo, and sitting next to me was a nurse involved in this case. And while he was in Rochester where they were trying to rebuild his face, there was one nurse in particular who would usually watch over him and take care of him while he was there. He proposed to her. She said yes, and they're getting married next year. That would make another great movie plot, wouldn't it? I know it. So that's what I like to tell people when I go out. You have no idea how many people you are going to impact when you say yes to donation. Because when the young lady here in Sioux Falls said yes to her husband being a face donor, she knew she was going to impact the young man from Wyoming, but she had no idea she would also impact the life of a nurse hundreds of miles away. What is that guy doing today? Do you know? Or? Uh, I don't know. That's a really good question. I don't know what he does for a job. He's back in Wyoming. Uh, he's able to smile. Uh, he says now, of course, people don't stare at him anymore when he goes out to a restaurant. But here's a story that started out as a true tragedy, and it ends with a fairy tale ending. Can uh, what what age can you get a uh, you know uh, your eyes? The cornea, is there an age that's good or, or not? Uh, we are um, we are part of the Eye Bank Association of America, and their guidelines say we can transplant corneas from people between the ages of 2 up to the age of 85. So anywhere in between 2 and 85. Now let's say there's a 90-year-old who wants to donate. 
Chances are their corneas won't be transplanted, but there's a good chance that they could still be used for research and education. Well, okay, they, they can uh, donate it, but uh, how early can a, a patient be? Uh, can you have a baby that receives that cornea? Yes, yeah, that has, very, that has happened. That has happened where they've done cornea transplants on young children. What are, what are, you know, you've got a job, Chad, that uh, has, has so much purpose and meaning that, uh, uh, again, you must feel pretty good when you go to sleep at night. I do. I, I really feel like I'm making a difference. Um, I'm proud. We just got word here a while back that we actually have some of the highest registration rates in the country. And uh, I'm not going to take credit for that. I'm going to take credit, or I'm going to give credit to the driver's head instructors around the state and anybody else who allows me to come in and talk to people about the importance of donation. Uh, our registration rate is at 71% and the national average is 53%. Well, that's South Dakota. That's South Dakota. That's where we live here. Yeah. You're darn right. Well, the cornea transplant has been going on, like you say, since 1905. Was a very, I mean... They didn't really have that, that sharper scalpel back in that day. Well, I, I like to tell people I had no idea what they had for instruments back yeah. then. And frankly, I don't want to know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I'm just thankful that that Mr. Golgar had the courage to say yes and um, allowed it to happen. Well, at a funeral, if, if the eyes are donated, they have artificial eyes they can put in for uh, if they have an open casket, I suppose, all that kind of thing. This is the part of donation that I am the most impressed with. Yes, it, the medical end of it is fascinating, but we don't just go in and do the recovery. We actually have a team of professionals. They stay in contact with donor families for up to a year after they've lost their loved one. We help them through the grieving process. We don't just go in and do the recovery and then forget about the family. And everyone is treated with dignity and respect. It is the number one priority whenever uh, recovery is taking place. So, yes, if, if we recover corneas, we put a cap over the eye, no one's ever going to know. There's a bone bank we cl work closely with, and uh, if they need a particular bone, uh, the humerus bone, again, for those who don't remember back to your anatomy days, it's the bone right by your bicep in your arm. It's above your elbow. That is a real popular bone that is recovered. If we recover that bone, our technicians then replace it with a wooden prosthetic and they stitch the arm back up, no one's ever going to know. We have them for arms, legs, spinal cords. If we take muscle and skin, we can rebuild that. Every, everyone is always restored, even if they're going to be cremated because it's just the right thing to do. Well, I, I got to say, the humorous bone is not the same as a funny bone. No, no. <laughs> you know, I, I, I wonder if that's where the funny bone <laughs> joke yeah. came to, yeah. because of the humorous yeah. bone. I want. I never thought about that. You heard it again here. First exactly. Talking to Chad Holweiler uh, of the South Coast Eye Bank, uh, Chad McKenzie, back when you were on the morning show at uh, KEL already. What's one thing that you, you know, it's, it's been quite a few years. What's the one thing you remember doing the uh, morning show besides, you know, being 150 feet up in the air in a van? But what's some of the memories you got? Oh, having so much fun. So much fun with, back then, you know, radio stations were full of people. 
and everyone just had so much fun. I just there wasn't one day that went by when I didn't look forward to coming to work. It was just the unknown because you never knew how a day was going to play out. You never knew what was going to happen on the show. Well, how'd you end up at the iBank then? Uh... Well, uh, the station that I was working at after leaving here. Um, they decided to, like a lot of stations, automate the entire station. So everyone who was on the air lost their job. And uh, I had applied for this job, but I really didn't know what I was applying for. Uh, I like to say it was maybe a little divine intervention, and I applied for it. And I went and then interviewed, and I realized this is, this is for me. This is what I would like to do. Well, getting back to the birth tissue donations, uh, all the babies that are born used to be wasted. They were thrown out. How do they get signed up for that? It's so, so simple. Now, it has to be a scheduled C-section because of uh, uh, the conditions have to be sterile. So a natural childbirth right now uh, would not qualify. It has to be a scheduled C-section. And it's a simple screening over the phone. We have coordinators. You will talk to your, in fact, if anybody listening to this is pregnant, uh, ask your hospital, ask your nurse you're working with or your doctor you're working with if you could get some information and they will transfer you to us. And it's a simple phone conversation is all it is. And it can go for so many different things Oh, so and many, so many different people. So many people have no idea the impact of donation, no matter how a person passes away, every person can help a minimum of 75 people through eye and tissue donation. 75. 75. That's over the speed limit. <laughs> yes, it is. I would like, if you don't mind, to share a story yes, with you. about it. There was a young man here in Sioux Falls. He was 19 years old. He was involved in a car bicycle accident. This has been a few years now. And uh, they took him to the hospital, and he died from what's called brain death. And that's how you have to pass away in order for your organs to be transplantable. Most people die from cardiac death. Your heart stops. Blood stops flowing to your organs. They can't be transplanted. You have to die from brain death. He died from brain death. Doctors talked to his folks and explained to them what was happening. And they spoke up and said, well, he had, we had had this conversation when he went through driver's ed. He told us he wanted to donate everything he could. So firm out of Minneapolis called Life Source. They handle the organ side of things for our area. They came in and recovered his organs. We then followed behind and recovered corneas and skin and bones and nerves and veins and tendons. And well, it wasn't long after that, his mom reached out to Patty, who is the one who heads up the staying in contact with donor families and said, Patty, I need your help. I know where my son's organs went, but where'd everything else go? So Patty and some other folks in the office took it upon themselves to track down with all the processors we work with around the world. And we have documentation. That one young man was responsible for 407 transplant grafts. That is a true hero in every sense of the word. His legacy is going to live on for a long, long time just because he checked the box, and he shared his wishes. That's the most important thing I ever say when I go out. You have to share your wishes. Let someone in your family know what you want to have happen. Have you had any uh, contacts go to, to Ukraine with that going on right now? Uh, not that I'm aware of. We did get a letter a while back from um, Syria, 
And, of course, nobody in the office speaks Syrian, so we had to have somebody translate it for us. And it was from a farmer in North Syria, and it was a thank-you note to the donor family just basically saying thank you for allowing your loved one to be a donor, and because of your wonderful gift, I'm now able to provide for my family once again. Do the donors and recipients ever get together? Uh, yes, Um it's like when you go to the doctor, you know, there are HIPAA regulations where doctors and nurses can't share your information with just anyone. It's same thing in donation. So if somebody receives something, uh, if they want to send a thank you note to the family, the donor family, they have to send it to us. We then forward it on. But there are times when both parties will agree to meet. And we do donor banquets once a year in all of our locations. And um, if they both agree to it. We'll make the arrangements where they can meet in a separate room during one of these banquets. That's got to give, a, again, a lot of purpose and meaning and, and uh, help to the uh, the donor family. Oh, there are always tears, mm-hmm. but they always describe them as tears of joy. Well, actually, now, Sioux Falls, you're connected with uh, Rapid City and in North Dakota, I yes. guess, uh, Fargo and, and Bismarck. Yes, that's where our offices are located because those mm-hmm. are where the major medical facilities are. But we also have uh, technicians in Pierre and Aberdeen and up in North Dakota because we can be anywhere in our region in four hours when someone passes away. Well, Bismarck and Fargo, do you do anything uh, across the border with Canada? Um, Well, my furthest hospital is four miles from the Canadian border, but no, we don't do anything up in Canada. We don't cross the the boundary. Well, the idea is that a lot of people probably don't know unless they've been involved. How can people, do you need volunteers for anything? We don't need volunteers, but we are always looking for technicians and uh, usually nursing students. Uh, we do a lot. We have a lot of nursing students who are technicians. Those who are full time on our staff uh, have a nurse background, but the, the technicians uh, they're on a per diem basis. So then, when they're on duty, when they're called out, of course, that's when they're paid. But if anybody would like some information, they're welcome to call our office. And I, I guess if they have, uh, uh, can can a third party recommend that my neighbor? I think you know he's too too shy to ask, but. Uh, can they intervene? Oh, have, heavens, yes. Yes, yes, exactly. Uh, we are able and willing to listen to anyone and everyone. What's the thing they ask you when you when you go to the, to the, uh, uh, the schools, I guess, where they're, you know, they're learning how to operate and all this kind of thing? What, what do they ask you? Uh, two questions. Can you transplant the brain? <laughs> and the answer is no. Not yet. Not yet, anyways. <laughs> And can you transplant things more than once? Ah. And as of today, no. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do know people are working on it. Now, I'm actually a recipient myself. I, a few years ago, ripped the bicep off my bone. Oh, no. And I have someone else's tendon in my arm holding my bicep in place. So my hope is when my time comes, they'll figure out a way to do that so I could take this tendon who someone gave to me and I then can transfer it and, and uh, donate it to someone else. Does but as of today, it can just be transplanted once. Having somebody else's uh, donation tendencies, I guess, or tendon, does that make you feel like you're a different person? It makes me appreciate what they did, especially now that I work in the area. It makes me appreciate the fact that they made that decision to leave a part of themselves behind for a complete stranger. And for me, that is the definition of a hero. 
Chad Wheeler and, and Chad McKenzie, uh, uh, when you were on the radio, last two minutes, tell people what you want to tell them. Please consider becoming a donor, a designated donor. It's very, very simple. As I said, you can either register through your iPhone. You can go to a host of different websites. It's an individual decision. Some people are weirded out by it. That's okay, but it's an individual decision. And I would encourage you to take a look at it, give it some serious consideration, because you really can make the difference in the life of someone else. And if you're having a baby and you're going to get a C-section, uh, your, your baby's going to be able to help a lot uh, yes. with what would have been thrown out. We always give them their first onesie. And on the front, it says, I was born a hero. <laughs> well, can people uh, uh, come and see your office at any time? Yeah, we give we give tours all the time. We have surgical suites in there. People drive by and say it looks like a bank, but uh, the further on in you get, it looks more like a hospital setting. But yeah, we love to give tours. It's an eye bank. It's an eye bank. So eye you, tissue bank. You actually do some of the operations in the in the building. Yes, exactly. Some of the recoveries. So. That's where you know it come from a you know a small house, a room in Sioux Valley from the years ago to now uh, actually uh, to so many different parts of the body that can be oh uh, people can donated. donate their entire body to science if mm -hmm. they would like but the key is tell your loved ones what you would like to donate and make them aware the most important thing I'm going to say what's on the horizon. Hopefully, we expand. Uh, the birth tissue area is expanding even more. That's really taking off. And uh, just continue to grow and go out and try to get one donor at a time. Well, when you say cradle to grave, you do that every day. Exactly. Uh, yeah. So many things of, of interest there. Uh, Chad McKenzie, uh, when you were on the radio. Chad Holweiler, uh, now with the South Dakota iBank. And want to thank you very much for being with us on Forum. Thank you for having me, John. It was fun.